This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Good morning, everyone. You are listening to the Master Gardener Hour. My name is Kate Copsey, and I am the host of the show. We cover many different topics in this show and talk about many different gardens and gardens professional. This morning, we are going to be talking to Teresa Watkins from Florida about her garden communications in the modern world. Good morning, Teresa. Good morning, Kate. Yes, and your first book um, is from the first book of a series called uh, Gardener's Compendium, Gardening with Life, and it's full of gardening, uh, charming anecdotes and quotes. So how did you get into being uh, writing a book on, shall we say, garden trivia? Garden trivia, well, I always enjoyed reading, and my mother was from Scotland, and she always instilled in us a love of reading and poetry and gardening. And so uh, as I grew up, I started collecting my favorite quotes and poems, and then when I became a master gardener and started to teach landscaping, I just started using these quotes and these little tidbits of information to keep people excited about gardening and use them in my newsletters and so i guess when um you know modern readers have a shorter well they say that modern readers have a shorter attention span than maybe uh 50 years ago um and so is that kind of reflected in the way that you and everybody else i guess communicate these days it it, it's quite necessary because people don't have as much time as we used to to sit down and read and go through a whole novel. I remember just when I was little, just taking three or four days to read an entire book, and uh, people just don't have the time now. So when you want to get across information, especially important environmental information, you want to catch their attention. And doing it in little tidbits in 140 characters, uh, you know, in tweets, in little articles, that's the way to do it. You want and, to encourage them to just, you know, read more. And and so, but one of the problems, I guess, with, with doing that is, um, you know, you can only put a certain amount in, shall we say, 140 characters. Um, so how do you get some continuity when you're trying to communicate in that type of Environment. I mean, you, you see people on Twitter, you know, they say, look at this, look at that, there's a link to this, a picture of that, which gets them through that 140 characters. But it really, right. d- quite often, it doesn't say very much. So how do you get that continuity of a thought going? Right. And then, and then there's also the misinformation that gets out there with that, too, as well. But uh, you want to, you know, put it into a succinct phrase. That would be possibly uh, 80 to 90 characters or even less than that or, you know, a few short words, one sentence to two sentences, and then put a link to your article. And so by putting out an, an entire phrase, that should encourage them to go to your article and read more and learn about the entire uh, article or the theme or the information you want to provide. 
And and so is that where maybe um, the trivia side, um, if you start off with something, may, maybe a quote of, of some description, because certainly in your book, they, they don't keep to the 140 characters. I mean, there's a whole poems in there, as well as neat little phrases. So how do you incorporate those within your, your tweet or the message of tweeting? Well, what I wanted to do was to actually give context to these, these quotes and the phrases that people use so often. And, you know, there, again, that's where a lot of mistakes or a misphrasing or even misattribution, they're, that they're citing something that isn't even relevant to their article. So my book actually goes back and gets the actual original source for these phrases and trivia and quotes and tells who said it, when, and in what context. And so it provides a, a bit of information for them so that they're more educated about what they're talking about, so they can use the quote in the correct, um, proper proper way. And so when people, I guess, are communicating, particularly, I guess, in, in the modern world, and I know that there is one uh, writer that I know that always starts with a little phrase from Gertrude Jekyll or oh, or yeah. some garden writer, but yours goes, goes a little broader, so... What is it maybe about gardens and flowers and gardening in general that seems to lend itself to these emotions that people kind of spurt these wonderful phrases out? Well, that's what I love about it. My whole concept of gardening appeals to the soul, to our inner being. Gardening does make us feel good. It does enhance our pheromones. And we get emotional when we see beautiful things or it evokes memories of maybe a childhood memory. So it does evoke certain uh, inner uh, emotions for us. And so that these tweets and phrases, so many of them are beautiful and, and, and make us feel better, or they can actually even make us console us if we're not feeling good or we're having a bad day. Gardening can really enhance um, our whole spirit. So that's why I, I, I love gardening. It can be used in so many different ways. And with all these quotes and phrases from different aspects of life and themes and categories, nature just responds well to uh, summing up the whole subject or what you want to get across to someone. And it's certainly a lot easier maybe um, than painting something, um, which I know a lot of people in the 18th century used to paint whatever, the, the landscapes and things like that, which in and of themselves are beautiful. But is that maybe why, um, I don't know, does it affect singing as well as um, people using phrases for, for gardening? Oh, I think so, because that's where this um, series, A Gardener's Compendium, is going to be a seven-volume series, and it's, it's, um, some of the titles are Gardening with the Arts, Gardening with Nature, Gardening with Literature, Gardening with Politics, uh, The Holidays. So it just enhances every aspect of our life. People use uh, aphorisms and metaphors and similes for nature and flowers and gardening to talk about the way they feel and what's going on in their life and even in their profession. Yeah, and so so I guess um, in the context of, I guess, content is king, um, do people want to be fed just the facts or do they respond to phrases from the past um, as well um, as um, maybe other things? 
I think so. I think that we have gotten so busy and so hectic that we now are looking to have areas in our life, times, hours in the day, where we sit back and reflect, uh, whether it's, you know, thinking about what we want to do the next day or what we want to accomplish in life. And so seeing some of these quotes and reading, taking a time, even having my book by your bedside, and thinking of a positive, you know, phrase that you just read and thinking, wow, that's going to be wonderful to dream about tonight, and and using it to enhance our lives. I think people are searching for ways to do that. And gardening can do it in a physical way, but I think gardening with for your soul, with your mind, and with your heart is also very important for us to be fulfilled and have, you know, a very uh, good life. And so are some of them maybe plant specific um for instance right right now although though it, it's hot and steamy and muggy um and probably one of the warmest mays on record we kind of skipped spring my peonies are out and i love i love peonies they're just those old-fashioned and they're really um survivors um yes they so, are yeah so so do people maybe when they're thinking of that type of thing, um, are there maybe some quotes that maybe would reflect that, that are maybe plant-specific? Yes. In fact, the book is all about sourcing and citation, along with the reading. But I've included uh, hashtags so that you can uh, garden uh, on any kind of social media. And it's, it's um, categorized by flowers, the names, the varieties, and then also by the author, and then by the subject theme, too, as well. So the subtitle of the book is Gardening in a Twitter World in 140 Characters or More. So, because you can't say everything always in 140 characters. And so I think people will enjoy reading about the history and trivia that they find and in this book, in Volume 1, Gardening with Life, but also in the, in the, in the future uh, volumes, too, as well. But but if you add in all those um, hashtags to something, um, just taking one here, um, there's um, a quote by Henry Clay Mitchell. Um, It says, hashtag nature, hashtag nature, hashtag philosophy, um, spirituality, United States. I mean, that in itself, it gets close to the 140. In the the introduction, I say you don't have to use them all. You can use one or two, but it's giving people different different resources or different columns because if you're um, trying to get it out, and this is where a lot of garden writers and a lot of bloggers and, and new people to social media, they don't understand what hashtags can do for them. And it's put the it, hashtags actually will contact a different a column of uh, readers or Twitter uh, followers by using the hashtag. It'll get get in front of somebody that normally wouldn't read a gardening. Uh, column. So maybe rather than maybe environment, you'd put in a couple of these other hashtags to broaden the, shall we say, readership of yes. your twa- your tags. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. These hashtags. I mean, because you can you can put down photography, and that will put you in a whole different uh, context uh, outreach to somebody who normally doesn't look at the gardening ones or doesn't like flowers, but they could use it in their photography blogs or that they will open up and go, oh, I've never heard of this quote before, and I can use it in my photography column. So it gets you in front of a different, whole different set of readers. 
And, and so then the, the idea is then that we look at the quotes and then sort of the, the hashtags at the, the end of it and, and see which ones would be more appropriate to what the message we're trying to get out. Is that right? Yes. That's it exactly. And so you don't have to use them all because, as you see, I didn't use gardening or different various gardening hashtags because that's just, you know, uh, it's just normal. That's what we're going to use anyway. But if you want to further and expand your outreach, you want to use tags that are hashtags that will appeal to another segment of uh, the Twitter world and or I, Facebook or Google+. And, and so the, these also go into um, fa- Facebook and Google Plus, is that right? The hashtags? Yes. You can you can use hashtags anywhere. And and, and the, the Internet, all the little different spiders and all the different uh, kind of computer talk um, will pick it up. And actually, if somebody's searching for it on the Internet, it will come up as that um, hashtag's name. And, it, and, and so if somebody's searching for photography, it might come up under photography quotes, whether... You know, even though it's about flowers, it would be about photography too, as well. So that's just an, uh, an example. Oh wow! So very powerful. Um, but you know, we have to go for our first commercial break here. But we will be back talking more about garden trivia and quotes with Teresa Watkins on the Master Garden Hour. We'll be back in just a moment. I'm Georgia author Doug Dahlgren. I'll be hosting a new program here on America's Web Radio. We call it the Prologue. Now, you may not yet be familiar with me or my work, and that's the point of the whole show. There are many talented writers out there that you haven't heard of yet. Now, a prologue is an introduction to a piece of literature or perhaps music, and its intention is to hook you into the story or that piece of music. In today's cluttered world of new authors and books, it can be costly and time-consuming to sample everything that's out there. That's where my new show can help. I'll introduce you to the author and their book in an hour-long discussion that just might interest you and entertain you. We hope long enough that you'll want to buy the writer's book. So join me, won't you, right here starting June 12th and continuing on Fridays after that at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, right here on America's Web Radio. That's the prologue with Doug Dahlgren. I look forward to meeting you. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Master Gardener Hour. Remember, you can catch up with us on Facebook at the Master Gardener Hour. And if you miss any shows, you can find archives at americaswebradio.com webpage. You can find them on iTunes and you can find them on Stitchers too. This morning, we are talking garden communication in the modern world with Teresa Watkins. And we talked, I guess, about um, a little about gardening and uh, trivia. Um, and we ended up with this idea of hashtags, which... I think, am I right that they started with the Twitter world, but have now kind of grown up into going across all the other platforms? Yes, um, not that the other platforms uh, uh, promote them, but that when you put them inside your um, post or your blog, 
the search engines will pick it up. And there's actually websites that you can go to, which I used in my resources, to make sure that it was a good hashtag, that it was used often, uh, was that uh, you can go to websites and, and pick up hashtags and actually do searches by hashtag and whatever words you're looking for. So how do you find out which ones are, shall we say, popular? I mean, I know, obviously, towards um, the end of the year, you you probably have a, a hashtag for Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year and all those. But maybe something a little more subtle that defines the audience while not making it too tiny an audience. Right. right. Well, um, there is great websites, and there's many of them, uh, one of the, the most popular ones that I use is hashtag.org. And every hashtag that's ever used, it gets recorded, and they use it as, you know, you can, you can get charts to see how often during a certain time period it is used. And so uh, whenever I would want to use a hashtag or if I thought about categorizing it or using it in, in my book, then I would go to this website, put the word in, and see how many times during the day it was used. And I just made, it, made a decision based on that. And, and so the, one, the ones that you've got in your book are fairly common um, hashtags, is that right? Um, That's right. But, but they're not necessarily gardening ones. So if I put in hash peonies um, and hash spring, it would probably be thrown in with a thousand and one others, albeit it's popular, nobody would find me. Is that right? Well, Spring would be used. Uh, hashtag spring is a very popular one. Um, but hashtag peonies may not be as popular. <laughs> <laughs> but you could make it popular. <laughs> the more you use it, the more it will get into the database. Yeah. Um, and so let's look at some of these um, quotes. Um, there, there is a thing, I guess, that everything on the Internet, if you see it, it's got to be true, right? And we all know yeah, that that's wrong. A, that is a meme. That is, that is accurate. Yes, that is true. <laughs> yeah, so, so how do you go about verifying um, the quotes? Because a lot of these aren't necessarily easy to track down. I mean, people say them all the time, but they're not necessarily um, correctly attributed or quoted. Well, that's what's important, I guess, with journalism, and my husband is a humanities professor and a former journalist that's always stressed upon me that you have to cite your sources. And that's not done as much anymore with the social media and with people just new to writing. They've never been, you know, trained or taken classes in citation. And so it's, it's important that you do cite sources, but it's not always able to do it on the Internet when you're doing tweets or when you're doing, you know, Google Pluses. So knowing where you're getting your information from or where you're quoting from is important. So when you see a quote that doesn't cite an author or an original source, the research is the best thing to do and find out. But that's why my book is great, because... I already give you that information, and uh, the whole series will be a wonderful asset to anybody who likes to do research or is, is, is a writer. And so what about things that are attributed to a specific person, but they didn't say? How do you establish maybe um, that they say Abraham Lincoln, for instance, um, if, he, if I had eight hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend six hours sharpening the axe. I mean, how do you verify that he didn't say it? Because that's so typical type of thing that we would imagine somebody like a farmer like Abraham Lincoln might say. 
Oh, exactly. And, and so that is a common phrase. It's been um, attributed to several authors. And uh, one of the um, research sources that I love to go to, he's got a wonderful blog, is Garson O'Toole, quote investigator. And he is also uh, interested in quotes and, and actual citations and correct uh, attributions. And so uh, I used, you know, some of his sites, but there's also encyclopedias I went to. Um, there's a whole range of information on the Internet. You just have to do the research. And I, I, I have to tell you, the hours, I mean, I've been doing, I've been writing this book for about 15 years now and spent <laughs> hours and hours and hours in one week just tracking down one phrase. And um, a lot of the quotes and citations, I actually went back to the people who said it and asked them if they did say it and when they said it and what year and what occasion and got their information to use it in the book. And, and of course, that's a lot easier if people are still living. Um, but, but for instance, but Buddha um, quotes that Buddha said that's a little trickier. Well, that's the funny part about it is because Buddha never said anything. And so when I found that out it, and it sunk in, I went, oh, my goodness, how many phrases do we see? How many T-shirts, how many garden you know, signs do we see? And people always quoting Buddha. But it was so long ago that... It was handed down orally, his information, and that Buddha, um, all the quotes now that you see in modern times, came from a 1960s book about the quotes from Buddha and the teachings of Buddha. And so it's a 1960 book. And I just thought that was hilarious that uh, here everybody's citing Buddha and he never said it. <laughs> what an impact that is, you know, one person makes, you know. Yes. And, and, and what about context? Um, I mean, you can say something and it can sound very um, pertinent to what you want and you've got the right attribute. But it might not have necessarily been said in the context that you want it to. Um, I mean, the political scene is full of little sound bites being taken and, and played and discussed, and they're taken totally out of context. Can the same happen with these quotes? And, and were they started maybe out of context? Exactly, Kate. Uh, this is one of my pet peeves, uh, is that it is a popular garden quote. One of them is, um, let uh, a thousand flowers bloom. And this is a, it sounds like a great gardening quote. Oh, if the world could just have a thousand flowers blooming, how wonderful that would be. But it was, um, you know, said by Mao Zedong, but the actual phrase was letting a hundred flowers blossom and a hundred schools of thought contend as a policy. And it goes on to cite a flourishing socialist culture in our land. Well, the phrase came from the hundred flowers campaign, which allowed everybody to say whatever kind of criticism they wanted of the Chinese government and to come up with all new ideas and new solutions. And then Mao Zedong went around and killed um, the people that said, who gave good solutions. So it it was a a tragic uh, event that killed a lot of academics and a lot of people who wanted to change China for the better. And when I see it used now, I'm going... I, do they even know where the phrase came from? And so we talk about it in, in, in not in Garden 1, but or in Volume 1, but in Volume 2 we talk about it. Oh, yes. And, you know, and I, I think that's such a fascinating thing, you know, when, when you see all these things totally out of 
context. So how were you able to verify um, the context? Did you take something like um, the, fla- the flower one? And was it fairly easy to trace back the whole, say, uh, paragraph that that was and the whole surrounding social environment of that? Well, actually, there's been a lot written about the 100 uh, flowers campaign. And, and Mao Zedong's speech is, you know, we've got all of his, you know, paperwork and his quotes and his writings and his speeches online and in books. So it's very easily researched. It's just you have to know, you know, to even look for it, though. And that's what a good writer does is that they research the background information of a phrase before it's used. And, and as far as the quotes themselves, um, kind of misquoting obviously um, is is very is very, very common. But what are the, the most common ones? Um, are they attributed mainly to popular people like presidents and and religious figures, or are they just kind of taken out of context, maybe, or or just plain wrong from normal people? Um, well, I, th- I think it's just I just think it's just human human nature is that we hear one thing and process another. Um, and, you know, if you tell somebody, if you whisper in somebody's ear after the third or fourth fifth person, it's an entirely different phrase. So I, I just think it's just human nature, and it's not meant in a, in a negative way. In fact, the book I just thought would be a wonderful way to educate and just give a, a, a wonderful resource for people who do write and for new, new writers, new bloggers, uh, new garden, people to gardening that would like to know where this information came from. <clears throat> but uh, trivia, gardening trivia, is very popular. And so I just think that uh, uh, it's, it's important uh, that we do give the right information. And I would imagine when you were researching these, did you get sidetracked along the way when you found somebody and, and you found one of the quotes and then you found several others at the same time because that was oh, such a fascinating I person? So many. I just, there's just so many great writers and books out there from, uh, you know, 100 years ago, 200 years ago. I was even fascinated going back to Roman times and what they wrote about flowers then. And so an entire history of gardening is just amazing, and there's so much information out there. And that's also the context is that we don't have time to, you know, go back and research all these or even look for the books. Where do I even begin? So that, you know, the book is also a good resource for that, and you can read little tidbits and and little phrases and, and stories while you're, you know, you know, that you don't have time to research. And, and I think the further back you go, particularly the, the Greeks and the Romans, that nascent of, of learning science and things like that, and some of the weird ideas to our look. That, I mean, there, there was one, I think Theothrastus um, was complaining that I, he thought that every plant must make its own seed that was down on the ground, but the consensus was that all the seeds were held in the air, and when it, when it rained, those seeds came down, down to, to the ground and then sprouted, which would I, be very logical. <laughs> exactly. I'm so fascinated because I always thought that agriculture and gardening that it was it was divided up by the U- United States Department of Agriculture <laughs> and to fi- you know to find out that they were talking about this thousands of years ago is is just amazing that how smart they were. Oh yes, and I think the further back you go, um, of course, then, then you you are 
um, un- under the stress of all the people that maybe uh, translated all those things. But there you go. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. But I think we're going to take another quick commercial break here. Uh, but when we come back, we'll talk about more of some of these uh, garden trivia things with Teresa Watkins from her garden, a gardener's compendium. Um, lovely quotes from for gardeners all over the place. We will be right back. Today's consumers find themselves faced with a greater variety of choices than ever before, both in the food they eat and the information they receive about that food. Feedstuff's Food Link was created to provide you with a balanced source of information for making decisions about your family's balanced diet. Visit FeedstuffsFoodLink.com to learn about your food directly from the source, the people who work every day to provide it. FeedstuffsFoodLink.com, connecting farm to fork. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. You're back listening to the Master Garden Hour. I am the host of the show, Kate Copsey, and this morning we are talking garden trivia with Teresa Watkins from her book, The Gardener's Compendium, Gardening with Life. And, and so, Teresa, among all these quotes and researching them all, were there any favorite people that you found that lent, lent maybe more than one quote um, along the way? Oh, yes. I, I have so many favorites, but some of the ones that I loved particularly in reading and just makes me feel so good to read were um, uh, writers like or poets like Alfred Austin, Rumi, uh, and uh, Charles Dudley Warner. Was, he's just fantastic. Robert Louis Stevenson, I thought, was very interesting because you don't think of him as writing about flowers and gardening, but he does quite a few poems on it. Eugene Field is funny. He uh, and he gets botanical points for having a uh, horticultural name, Eugene Field. And then also Thomas More was very, very um, just uh, just delightful to read. And so I do have a lot of favorites. And and so was there maybe one era maybe that was more likely to give quotes than the other I would imagine maybe in wartime that things were um, a, a little too busy and dire to be thinking about quoting plants but maybe the, the pastoral um, Edwardians were maybe a little more floriferous with their words well also too and, and in the 19th century when they just um, and 18th century too when they were just starting to notice nature and come into the science the, bo- the botany and, and learning about how plants propagated themselves and and how insects pollinated they they started to understand nature but they were very very aware of their surroundings they they talked a lot about walking and they would know the plants names they would know um the the natural wildflowers and so i was i was quite amazed at that how uh they just noticed their their the nature of their entire life outside more than what we do nowadays you know we're just so busy now we drive by in cars we don't walk we don't see the grass we don't see the insects anymore so uh i was quite fascinated by that 19th century 18th 19th century is my favorite 
Yeah, and I know when when I was down down in um, at the Atlanta area, there, there was a couple. There were a couple of houses down there, um, the the old antebellum ones, and there there was one where apparently the lady in one of the houses, all all the young men were off doing that little skirmish war, um, the Civil right. War, and and Civil the, war. They, they they were on the the coast, I believe, and, and she wrote him a letter because everything was obviously in letters, and she basically said, "My dear, we're thinking of you. Um, I hope you stay." staying safe i know life is tough um stay safe oh but by the way if you're in this area could you drop by mrs whatever she's got a couple of nice seeds for me that i'd like you to bring back (laughs) (laughs) priorities (laughs) i i i could i could see myself Yes, in the days when we could actually take plants from A to B without worrying about it. I just thought thought that that was just wonderful. Um, And, and of course, a lot of these were from from letters. Um, Did you find find maybe that... um, a lot of the people that were were writing about it, it was from personal letters and quotes from people that were um, first-hand um, hearing of them. Yes, also too, and and um, books. I, I I love to read, so I have books. And when I would find that they would read or that they would write a letter, um, then I would go back to the museums if there was any exhibitions or museums that held their personal letters and diaries, and I would ask them for you know, confirmation that this was actually what what was said or quoted in the letter. And then also, to the, the Library of Congress, the Smithsonian also have ways to verify personal letters. And uh, one one person that I you just don't think of as being involved with gardening, even though it, he is in science and in botany, was George Washington Carver. And he wrote the most beautiful letters uh, about his flowers, that really was very quite touching. So I loved I loved doing the research on the letters the most of all. And and so primarily then these were from um, your quotes were from letters um, rather than in books that they had written. Um, sometimes it, it just depended on on what poem or what quote it came from or what letter it came from. Some of them were from. Uh, books and some of them were from actual museum citations, but I always quote the or I always cited the original source of it, so it would say letters and then where I got the information from. And and these do, are not necessarily um, just American people that you've quoted in there. This this goes across Europe as well, right? Europe as well, Asia, and also uh, all and uh, the Middle East, uh, going down towards. Um, Africa, all the entire series um, has quotes from all over the world, all over different time periods, and uh, different uh, different categories. So it, it, it's very, um, it's quite a lot of uh, diversity. And, and certainly in in the, the book, you know, there, there are there are lots of different um, quotes, but there are also some quite lengthy ones, um, uh, like kind, kind of poems included. Um, why, why did you include po- poems, maybe, as well as all the shorter bits? Well, I thought it was important. Well, I, important because of how often they cited flowers in it. So if it was just one phrase, you might not get the entire context out of it um, unless you read the entire poem. So that's why I included on some of them the entire poems because it was, it was uh, relative to the book. Now, on a gardening quote that just had two lines from a poem, but the rest of the poem did not address gardening, I didn't use that. 
and and so I guess the the poems and things that that were that were in the in the book, some of them are quite lengthy. How would you maybe incorporate that? Do you just kind of condense the whole? Um, may, maybe thought about that um, in one of your hashtag type things, or do you quote the whole thing? Well, actually, that's up to the individual. You know, whatever, what, however they can use it. The book's not just for you know garden communicators, but it's for everyone who loves to read poetry or loves gardening, and maybe it's raining outside and they just want to sit and read about gardening. So it's it's, it's even uh, a book that if you don't like gardening, you'd still like the poetry or the information inside the book. So it goes. Uh, it's got a, quite a bit of a. Uh, uh, an outreach to quite a few different types of personalities. And, and so then um, we, we talked about some of your favorite people. What about some of your favorite quotes that really en- encapsulate? I mean, you're da- down in Florida. That's a very different sort of environment. What, who, what are the quotes that you particularly like for the type of style you do, uh, gardening? Well, I do, uh, you know, I do a lot of teaching workshops and gardening workshops and, and, and speaking engagements, but uh, it would depend on the topic of the day because I do topics like wildflowers, native plants, uh, sustainable landscaping, uh, you, you know, what kind of flowers are blooming this time of the year, annuals, perennials, that kind of thing. But the quotes that I love um, are the ones that just kind of uh, you know, speak to me as a mother, as a grandmother, as a, a, a gardener, one like Alfred Austin, he was from the 19th century, he said, someday they will have a garden of their own, and they too will love it. And that just makes me remember my children pulling weeds and complaining the whole time they're pulling weeds. But now that they have children of their own, they say, Mom, it's so great. The kids <laughs> pull the weeds. <laughs> and so they're, they, 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 they realize the benefits of gardening and weed pulling for you know, a strong personality, and it's good for children. Not sure that mine have got quite that far yet. But, uh... <laughs> it was great when that when that when she told me that. <laughs> And, and, you know, and, and I know that some of the poems in there, there was one that you wanted to maybe read as well. Which one was well, that? This one is called Memorial, and I see it a lot in, um, not in magazines, but in blogs and in websites, on web pages, on quotation pages. I see it a lot. When I did the research, I looked for it, and thousands and thousands of pages would come up. And this one, a lot of it was attributed to unknown and I thought, how sad is that, that he wrote this beautiful poem, and nobody knows his name, and it's quite touching. Can I, can I read it, Kate? Oh, sure, yes. Okay, great. Um, it's called Memorial, and it's by Albert Huff Piedrick, and he lived, uh, he was born in 1846 through 1945, and it goes like this. I've had the garden tidied up, as she would have me do, this little pal who couldn't stay to see the season through. The flowers were her dearest friends. The garden was her own. I watched her work, but never knew the things that she had grown. Her catalogs keep coming, and her garden magazine. I run across the queerest names and study what they mean. I read them all from end to end, and when the spring is here, I'll have a garden just like hers, as though my wife was near. And that is just so touching to me. Oh, yes. That he wrote that he wrote this, but I contacted um, the university, the Chicago University, where his his papers are, and uh, they searched all of his documentation, and he's got a lot of poetry there. 
but they couldn't find this exact poem, even though they knew that he had written it. They just don't have the, the paperwork that says he wrote it. And the magazine, um, it's a religious magazine that it appeared in, and I can't find the original, but uh, he is the author of it. And uh, so I just thought it was very worthwhile to, you know, to make sure that he got uh, credit. Yes, and I would imagine that his relatives also maybe have some of his papers as well. But, um... Well, I kind of asked for it, and that, you know, so I haven't heard back, the university hasn't heard back or anything like that, but when they do, you know, it'll be interesting to find out. Yes, um, and, and I say, you, you, you have another one from kind of, um, I, I guess it's uh, Nature Abhors a Vacuum. Now, that was part of a, a physics theory from Aristotle, exactly. right? Yes, I, I love this one. And I use it in my landscaping classes because when uh, people have, you know, get a lot of weeds, it's because they have bare patches in their turf areas or they're not mulching correctly so that there is a piece of soil there that, uh, you know, is just ripe for getting a weed seed in it and, and germinating, and then you have weeds. So I use the quote a lot, and I say, nature abhors a vacuum, so you either want to plant something there, make sure you have a nice thick turf, and then also, too, uh, so you don't get weeds. So nature abhors a vacuum, so you better plant something there. And, I, you know, and I know that you um, kind of did this particularly for kind of the modern audience and things like that but i would imagine a lot of these quotes you could incorporate in talks as well uh, maybe um at the start of a talk um things things like that that uh, so it's much broader than just doing it on the electronic um medium right most definitely and or if they're writing a book or if they're writing a newsletter a lot of people have to put out a newsletter for their homeowners associations so uh or a uh, minister writing a sermon uh, so it's something that can be used in a ver- variety of different ways. Yeah. Um, well, I think we need to take our final commercial break here. Um, but come over back, everyone, and listen to more about gardening in the Twitter world with Teresa Watkins from her Gardener's Compendium. And we will be right back. Do your children know where their food comes from? At ConnectingFarmToFork.com, there's all kinds of ways to help your child understand how 300 million of us here in America stay nourished, clothed, and healthy. Activities, food facts, and farm visits help young people learn about America's hardworking farmers and have lots of fun doing it. Visit ConnectingFarmToFork.com today for a learning experience that will really grow on you. ConnectingFarmToFork.com, brought to you by the people who care at Feedstuff's Food Link. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel. Every day the Israeli Defense Force finds itself on the front line of the war with the militant arm of Islam. Surrounded by enemies from within and without, they fight for the only Jewish state. Military service is mandatory, ladies serving two years and men serving three right out of high school. While young people in other democracies are busy traveling or attending university, Israeli men and women gear up for basic training. In a world of heads of state, politicians, ambassadors, diplomats, and a leftist media, many times our voice at the grassroots level is drowned out. 
So we started an ongoing project called Hershey's for Heroes. Patriot conservatives from all over the U.S. are sending Hershey's chocolate bars with a note of thanks for defending Israel. Won't you join us by sending a sweet message to the IDF? For information, please see my Facebook page at Michael Gano. Thank you, God bless Patriot conservatives, and God bless Israel in her struggle for sovereignty and security. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. I hope you're enjoying the Master Gardener Hour this morning. We have been talking about garden trivia and gardening in the Twitter world with Teresa Watkins. And uh, your your book out um, is called The Gardens, Gardener's Compendium, Garden, Gardening with Life, is the first one of um, how many books are you writing here? Well, there's going to be seven volumes so far, so I've got a lot of information, and so all collected, so we'll see about it, but I think it's going to be seven volumes. Oh, wow. And and they're all going to be in a similar format with all the hashtags included, is that right? Yes. They'll all be able to be researched, hashtagged, and then uh, all the bibliography will be there so they can source it. And, and so this, this particular one is Gardening with Life, which is volume one. Um, and I noticed that it's divided into two sections, the first one being life, the second one being death. Um, and then spirituality, so there's three sections. Oh, there was a third section? I must have yeah, missed that bit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, life, death, and spirituality. Uh, and so, so the, those are specific um, Areas that the life, the death, and the spirituality. Um, what, how, are they about evenly distributed um, yes. within the book? Yes. They, there's approximately the same amount of quotes for each section or pages in each section. But on some of the volumes, it may be a little bit more in others than, 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 than the others. So it, uh, it differs with each book. And, and for each of the examples, there's a hashtag, uh, a, an example of hashtags that you could use for that particular quote. Is that right? Right. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and are the others going to be, this one is Gardening with Life. Um, what are the other ones going to be? Do you know at this well, point? Well, my next one's coming out hopefully this summer. I've just finished putting it into the publisher. Um, it's called Gardening in Time and Place, and it's about history and geography. So it goes all the right way around the world, but uh, it also deals with different time periods in history. And then the next one is gar- after that, Volume 3, will be Gardening with the Senses. And that deals with taste and, and touch and uh, hearing all the different senses there. Then gardening with the arts. And I take uh, theater, painting, uh, you know, uh, different types of sculpture, design, things like that. And then gardening with nature. And that includes the wildflowers and all of the uh, creatures that you see in the, uh, in, in, in the gardening world. And then gardening with literature. And I love that one. It was one of my favorites wants to write and then finally gardening with trees oh wow um, and and you've got all these these uh quotes sort of in in a database some, somewhere and you're just extracting the right ones um for the specific book rather than overload yes. us with i have been collecting for a long while i have over 1500 pages of information wow that i am editing and putting into the books so it's more a case of organizing it into the different books rather than having to go out and find fresh uh, new material. 
Right, exactly, because I've already done it. I've, I've been collecting. I love trivia. I love reading. So every time I would find one, I'd just stash it away. And uh, when I used them in my newsletters, I would have a whole, you know, uh, file on them. So they're all collected. I've just got to uh, get them published. <laughs> so, so how does one find these books? Are they on Amazon and the local bookstore as well as maybe your website? Yes, they are. They're available on uh, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, all the local bookstores. You can ask for them. And then also, too, you can get it on ZulonPress.com, which is a publisher. And then my website, which is www.she-consulting.com. The S-H-E stands for Sustainable Horticultural Environments, because I'm a consultant. And so that you can also get it on my website, too, as well. Wonderful. Um, and so um, I guess we should ask, um, you know, if people wanted maybe a signed copy of this, can they get it from your website and you would sign it, or do they have to go to one of your talks maybe? Well, they'll be able to do both. I'm doing a series of talks this year, so they can, I'll, you know, post those as they, they become available. Well, I speak a lot to garden clubs and different uh, conventions and things like that. So uh, whenever I'm speaking, I will have copies that I will sign for them personally. But they can also contact me on my website and get it that way, too, as well. I'll send them a signed copy. And if they wanted you to invite you to do a talk, they'd go through your website as well? Yes, that would be lovely. I would love to do that. Um, and you've mentioned a, um, a newsletter. Um, it, can they sign up for that? And what does the newsletter contain? Well, this was a, a former newsletter. I used to teach for the University of Florida. And uh, for 10 years, uh, I taught environmental education, water conservation, and um, best management practices workshops. And so I, would ha- I, I had a newsletter for that. I no longer have a newsletter, but I'm going to be starting one up soon. So just I'm going to be putting that on the website when it is available. Um, and you have a, a blog as well. Does that link from the website? It does. It does. It's called Earth Shattering Gardening. And what what is on the on the blog? What do you cover there? Well, it's, it's just different um, different articles. Sometimes it's uh, you know conservation or environmental issues, but it's also gardening and landscaping. Some of my uh, philosophy articles, things like that. It has been kind of neglected while I've been getting my book out. So, um, but it is there, and, and past articles and posters are um, available to read. Uh-huh. And, and that's called Earth-Shattering Gardening, is that right? Dot blogs, yeah, earthshatteringgardening.blogspot.com. Okay. Um, and I guess um, while we're talking about all these different quotes and things, um, what type of, in a, in a perfect world, what type of audience um, do you think this would appeal to? I think this would appeal to one, gardeners, uh, but two, also, uh, you know, environmental groups, as well as, um, you know, poetry groups, literary groups, things like that, uh, groups that are interested in trivia history, um, but mainly gardeners, landscapers, garden clubs. And may- maybe people in the communications um, of, the, of the gardening world as well. Oh, great idea. I think that's wonderful, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and, and, and they are predominantly life that connects to or death connecting to plants and gardens is that right it, do, it doesn't go into life in general or no 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 does it, it, it's strictly gardening i i mean i i'm i can talk about a number of different subjects but you know i like to talk about gardening that's my passion gardening with soul and and you also do um a radio show uh, in your backyard is that right I have a radio show in my backyard, 
and it's on Tuesdays at 1 p.m. on my790am.com, and so you can hear it. It's streaming live, and uh, I will be able to. I'm trying to get my um, pods up, so my webcasts up on my website, so ava- hopefully by the end of summer I'll have my website um, available to listen <laughs> in on my program later on. Yeah, and, and I guess, I guess um, you know, there's only so many hours in a day to do all these different things. Uh-huh. Uh, yes. But 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 the, the radio show is, is kind of um, environmental and water conservation based, or do you cover all different areas? No, it's a gardening show. It's a gardening show. I talk about gardening. I take questions and, and, you know, calls in for it. Uh, but, you know, when it comes right down to it, a lot of issues that we experience in the garden, some of the problems uh, come from watering and fertilizing and, and, and not using best management practices. So it is a gardening show. We talk about plants and design and answering any questions that come up. Uh, that's what I love to do. And, and do you, are you able to weave some of these um, quotes into that gardening show? I try to. Uh, on occasion, I do. Uh, the show usually moves so fast that uh, I, uh, you know, depends on the subject. But I usually start out with one or two. Yes. And, and what about social media? Um, you, we've talked about the blog and the web page. Are you on Facebook and Twitter and all those things too? I would imagine you uh, are. <laughs> I am on Facebook, Teresa Watkins FL. Also on Twitter, Teresa Watkins FL. LinkedIn, Google Plus, uh, connect with me. Pinterest. I have. Um, about 78, 80 boards on Pinterest that deal with gardening. Wow, that's a lot. And th- those are different collections of, of images, is that right? Th- they're different collection of images, books, and different links to uh, different landscaping. It's a great place to go to if you are trying to think of some ideas for your garden, your landscape. I, my, one of my specialties is themed landscaping. And uh, one of my quotes is, whatever brings a smile to your face will, you know, will make a great garden theme. And so it's uh, a lot of ideas for that. If somebody doesn't know what will uh, their garden, what should be in their garden, find what makes you smile. And that's a good place to start. I think so. And, you know, there, there are areas of my current yard that I think, oh, we need to do something with that. Um, and I always kind of make you smile. <laughs> no. And, and, and in fact, fact, it becomes weed infested because I ignore it. <laughs> well, it's, it's like that phrase. And here we'll go with another quote. Cobbler's children have no shoes. And so I understand that uh, very well. Yes. Um, and actually, you had a, had a lovely one in there. I think it was uh, Ken Druce um, talking about, about ugly, ugly children are like ugly. No, children are like gardens or something. Um, right. Yes. There are no ugly gardens to their parents. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, and that, that sounds a wonderful one. And, and we've got about maybe um, two minutes left here, Teresa. Um, how about a fi- final quote that, that talks to you um, for, to fill fill us in for the last two minutes you got one there we go yes i do hold on just a second i do i have a lovely one that uh let's see what do i want to do here um pansies lilies king cups daisies let them live upon their praises long as there's a sun that sets primroses will have their glory long as there are violets they will have a place in story there's a flower that shall be mine Tis the Little Celandine, and that's by Williams Wardsworth, and he's an English poet, and it's called To the Small Celandine, 
uh, the Land of Song is where it came from, 1899. Oh, that that was sweet, um, and I, I think that that flow of trow, of different flowers and things. I, I think we've all got favourites, but I have to be honest. My favourite tends to be what's blooming at that time. I mean, right now the peonies um, are my favourites out there. Sure. But but I, 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 a couple of weeks ago, it, it was the the primroses and the hellebores that were blooming, and the, I, they were just wonderful. Um, so it's kind of whatever is. Um, <laughs> whatever season it is, that yes. isn't that. And whatever you see, if you see something that you don't have, that's what you want. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Um, and well, Teresa, um, I, you know, we're getting towards the the end of the show. I just want to remind everybody: it's a gardener's compendium. Uh, volume one is gardening with life gardening in a twitter world in 140 characters or more and it's full of different quotes that you that we can use in our garden communication um arena right yes yeah and the next one is coming out this summer it will be under Teresa watkins on amazon when it comes out it will be it'll be a gardener's compendium volume two gardening in time and place okay Uh, well thank you Teresa it's been a great chat I really appreciate you stopping by this morning thank you Kate so much for asking me I certainly appreciate it okay okay everyone Uh, that's all we've got time for this morning thank you for listening to the Master Gardener Hour this morning we will be back next week with another show talking all about gardening and gardens have a good gardening week everyone and join me back here next Saturday this is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.